Welcome to System and Soul, the podcast focused on the human energy that runs your business. I'm Chris White, along with my co-host, Benj Miller. All right, you guys ready? Here we go. Jake, drop that beat. Three, two, one. Hey everybody, welcome back, System and Soul. Benj here. I am your solo host for the day. We've got a uh, becoming frequent guest coming back. I'll get to that in a second. I want to give a special shout out today to one of our listeners, Mark Butler, uh, for being an awesome fan, friend, and giving us some great feedback on how to make this podcast better. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for being part of the tribe. Guys, today we've got Will Scott back. You'll remember him as the culture czar, uh, the Culture Fix Academy, all things culture. You'll want to follow this guy on LinkedIn because he's all over the place uh, and he's a lot of fun. Always a smile on his face, always his hand around somebody's shoulder, bringing them into the fold, bringing other people with them. Scott, Will Scott, welcome back. Very kind introduction. Thank you, Benj. Absolutely, man. So we're, we're starting this off. What is something weird, crazy, or interesting about you that we couldn't Google and find out? Gosh, we're starting off. We're starting off with that question. Okay. Well, um, you know, I was going to uh, mention that uh, I, I don't, probably people don't know that I was in Her Majesty's Royal Marines for a couple of years as, as, a, as a reservist. Uh, so while I was in college, I was doing that as well. And uh, I mentioned, of course, because uh, it was a very significant learning experience for me. All right. Let me let me let us into that. What what are the kind of things that you learned going through that process? Well, um, one of the things I learned was that uh, I don't know if this is true with all armies, but certainly in the British Army, um, if you've got a high, you know, um, a university education, then you're sort of automatically destined for being an officer. But when I was learning to be a Marine, I was just enamored with the non-commissioned officers, the NCOs. These are the corporals and sergeants, you see, who actually, you know, do the work and and, and do the fighting. And and, um, I was so, that's where I really sat around and, and observed and learned so much about being a leader. And also about the craft of, of course, you know, being a soldier and concealment and all those things and and um, caring about keeping each other alive, really, you know, uh, fundamental stuff like that. But to tell you a funny story, our our drill sergeant, a couple of things that from things from our drill sergeant uh, bench. One was that I told my my drill sergeant one time that no, I didn't want to be an, uh, a commissioned officer, you know, like a captain and stuff, which is what they had already started labeling me for. I wanted to be a non-commissioned officer and, and and do the field craft and work with the chaps, you know, in the field at that level, and 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 you know lead, lead you know fighting men. And uh, he said to me, Scott, as long as your ass is pointing downwards, you will not be an NCO. You're destined for captain. <laughs> that was the end of that conversation. And the the other thing that my drill sergeant said was um, he used to he used to pull me out in parade because I, I apparently was was a pretty good um, uh, at marching on the parade ground. 
And the Marines have a very particular way of marching where your forearms are, are your arms are straight and you bring them up to eye level, you see. And um, maybe it's because my name was Scott, but he would pull me out front when people weren't doing it right. And he said, and he would say, uh, look at Scott, tick tock, tick tock, like a bloody clock. <laughs> so anyway, it was, uh, you, you never really want to draw attention and be pulled out, uh, out front when in, in the Marines. But a um, uh, couple of little stories there for you and probably ones I haven't told and nobody knows about me. <laughs> did you, did you have to wear the like three foot tall hat while you were marching? Was that part of it? No, no, no. We, we were, we were wearing, um, it, it was, we, we were wearing berets. Okay, we had a dress parade for the, for the playground. And of course we had, um, uh, a, a, a green one for, for, for the field. Yeah. I'm poking fun. That's just my American stereotype of the, the soldier outside the palace. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about, I think they're called Busbies, aren't they? Those hats. And I they're worn no by idea. the palace guard. Yes, yes. Worn by the palace guard. Yeah. So that wasn't you. That was not me. No. <laughs> All right. No. All right. No. Well, Unfortunately, I never had to stand still like they do for for two hours or whatever because job, that right? would be very difficult for me especially with people trying to get you to crack like it's yes. saturday night live man yes. all right so it's always fun just hanging out i'm super curious what are the top three things that you're thinking about right now or wrestling with or trying to get people to to pick up and and pick uh you know incorporate into the work you're doing what's on your mind yeah, well, you know what, one of the first things that comes to mind there is is uh, still this challenge of uh, getting leaders to put culture first and to lead with a heart forward as opposed to a head forward leadership style. And we still hear it all the time here at the Culture Fix, Benj, is, you know, leaders who aspire to wanting to, 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 to engage with us, to adopt our culture program, uh, culture fulfillment, we call it. And, um, you know, we're st we still get answers. Of course, we get lots of folks that are just so excited and can't, can't wait to start. But we get others who say, oh, no, well, our priority for this year is, uh, is revenues and profits. And, you know, we've got our investors breathing down our neck. And, and, and that, of course, is when I want to say, wait, you realize if you put culture first and you care about your people and you get them all on the same page around values and purpose, which is absolutely culture, your revenues and profits are going to come a lot more easily. You're going to keep your team in place and, and they're going to work together. They're going to work harder and longer and all that sort of thing. But, you know, they just don't get it. They're, they're trying to prioritize um, and, they're, and they're investing dollars in things that I believe are going to have a longer and slower return on investment. You know, investing in culture is a very, very low investment, but the return is massive when you get all your team, you know, performing for you. So um, anyway, that's one of the big things. And, and I, I'm, I'm still searching, Bench, for the best way to really help people understand the value of investing in culture first and realizing that everything else is going to come come later you know but we'll follow do you think that the i'm trying to in my mind figure out like what what is what is the hang up there because i get it you get it we've seen it we've experienced it some people can even say yes that's probably true but then don't prioritize it right but like what my, the only thing i can think of is that it feels like a long-term play 
versus a short-term play. Like, no, I need, I need profits this quarter. And you're talking about culture, which is like turning the Titanic and, you know, all that stuff. And that's probably better off five years from now. But like today I need to do this. You you know, I was going to answer the question exactly the same way, Benj, that I believe it's short-term thinking and it's this sense of urgency and, and, and priority and where can they, and it's not just about where can they invest dollars, where can they invest time? For sure. And uh, yeah, you don't want to pull sales guys out of the field for a day, probably, if if, if you just want them chasing down, down revenues. But, uh, you know, as we all know, in business, short-term thinking and short-term planning is actually not the way to build a robust company with a high-performing team that is serving all the stakeholders, including the investors. The, 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 the value of the company is also yeah. going to grow in the long And by the way, um, long-term in, in culture, it does not have to be that long bench. I, we always measure, when we k- kick off a project, we always uh, measure that with some NPS scores, which, as you know, is a very demanding scale. And we show we show huge improvements w- within months. We can go from 50s to 90s on the NPS scale in just four or five months. So, wow, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's not going to be this quarter, but you don't have to wait that long. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, we do. We do at the Culture Fix. We do have our nine deeds in 90 days. But, uh, but yeah, and, and it's just it just requires a touch each week to get there. Um, we actually have uh, three major workshops, one, uh, th- you know, three 30 days apart. Th- that's your three months, basically. And then coaching calls in between. It, it isn't it isn't a massive uh, uh, commitment. But boy, the returns are just huge. Is, is part of the issue? Um, well, let me just give you my gut and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. It seems to me like the issue is the it starts from the top, right? And leaders want, would say they want culture for everybody else. But I think a culture is the results of the habits that happen within the organization. And that means work for them. It means change for them. And it means to really lead that, they've actually got to do some things, prioritize some things, and think about things differently. So um, I, actually, I actually put on LinkedIn is a bit of a mouthful, but I, I said the only, the problem with a leadership problem is that everything is actually a leadership problem, right? <laughs> so, so does this too come back to the problem with culture is that the leadership, it's not that they don't want it for the organization and wouldn't pay for it. It's that it requires something of them. Oh, yes. Uh, interesting question, because certainly uh, it's true. And by the way, you know, you, you began, I don't think there's any right or wrong with this. And I'm not going to say, <laughs> you know, ju- judge your responses as to being right or, or wrong. But I, I will agree that in the most effective cultures, it's not just about having a great cultural definition that that, that is practical and folks can actually use. But it's also um, demonstrated by the leaders. So if the leaders are leading with values and are you know frequently referencing and have systems in place to um you know to 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 keep the culture alive and thriving those are much more effective than than leaders that just uh, you know play hearsay to it come up with the culture definition throw the words on the walls and then don't lead with it and don't pay any attention to it and and in the end what happens is to your point employees start following what they see the leaders doing Mm. And what the incentives that are in place, not 
necessarily following the culture. If you're loving this episode, we've got an idea for you. Check out the One Next Step podcast. One Next Step is hosted by Belay's CEO and CFO. They're serving up weekly episodes with actionable business tips and tools from fantastic guests like Damon John, Michael and Megan Hyatt, Chris Walker, and more. They cover everything from how to leverage your executive assistant to three tools to unlock your leadership potential to what to know when you can't hire a CFO. And every week they offer listeners a free resource like Belay's latest ebook, Delegate to Elevate. In it, you'll learn how to accomplish more by juggling less. So go to belaysolutions.com forward slash delegate and download your free copy of it today. Now, let's get back to today's conversation. All right, what's the second thing on your lead with the heart forward? I love that saying. I'm not sure if I've heard that exact phrase before, but I like that. Lead heart forward versus head forward. What's what's second on your list today? <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I, I think perhaps, uh, the, I mean, what what's on my mind today a little bit, frankly, is what's coming for, for businesses in general. Uh, you know, with wars and inflations and all those kinds of things. I'm just not sure what's coming. I know there's another recession coming. That's, that's, that we know that there's always a cycle. Honestly, I don't know when it's coming, of course, but I know that there will be a downturn coming. This cycle is, 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 um, is proven and is part of life, but I don't know what format it's going to take this time. I think things have changed so much that it could be really, really different. So I think about that, but I don't have answers to it. Uh, except that in good times and bad, I think it's always important to lead with care, which is really what culture is about. You know, the the derivation of the word culture goes back to caring and cultivating. So um, in all cases, you know, I'm not as concerned about downturns as long as folks are leading with that. And the folks that have a great culture, of course, are going to be the ones... The, the, the win in, in those uh, in those cases. Yeah, uh, I, I totally agree. In one of my businesses, we talk about durability. Like that mm-hmm. is the, the most, the highest priority of, you know, like uh, part of that's culture, part of it's having redundancies in the business between, you know, the people, um, you know, you talk about being in a weird time in culture. Uh, there's so many more uh, employees that I've seen go take jobs that have nothing to do with their job that they're doing right now. It's like the follow your dream kind of a thing, or I'm going to go not work and tour the country or whatever. So like, um, they're, they're leaving, they used to leave bad cultures. They leave, used to leave bad managers. Now people, there's zero control. They're leaving. Right. So durability in the seats within the people, um, there is, I agree with you. Like, something's going to happen even if it's not a recession like markets change industries change technologies change methodologies change and and it yields different people irrelevant at different times so if as leaders if we're not thinking about that then we're doing a disservice and we've got to culture is one of those ways we can hedge our bets yeah yeah no I, i i agree even in great cultures some leaders are lamenting the fact that their employees are leaving not because they're leaving anything bad which is what used to be the case i think perhaps one of the main drivers was for, for moving was 
I'm looking for something different and I want to get away from where I am. Yes. But now there's, there's, there's these big pools, aren't there? Almost these sort of large sort of yeah, pools as opposed to pushes, but whether it's, I want to be a digital nomad and, uh, or I want to, you know, work from the hills in, in, in Montana <laughs> or the mountains in Montana. And, and, and I can do that now. I, I, but I still think I wanted to get a, a little bit of, uh, you know, challenge something you said there, which I still think we, we can actually control and we can retain great employees. And there's a couple of things that perhaps, you know, we're not paying enough uh, service to, which is this, this desire for all humans to have a purpose to their yes, work. Yes. And, you know, we can go through the sort of, you know, safety and housing and and sufficient you know sufficient compensation all those kinds of things but at some point when those are filled now it's about purpose and about you know my time on the planet and, and the goodness i can do for the world and i think when we when great companies put a great purpose and put words to their why such that their employees can feel they're doing something meaningful for the world they are much more likely and by the way i like to see that 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 meaning turned into with a core date and a core target a real number that's going to be hit on a real date so that now and not too far away like two to three years away so now if i'm really am feeling that and the whole team is pulling towards that and i'm liking who i'm working with then i think i think i've got the journey i've got the destination in mind i've got the journey i'm enjoying the ride i think when we can do that, people are more likely to stay. What, however great the attraction of going elsewhere is, yeah. So that's that's one point. And if I may build on that by saying, what if we can also accommodate the individual needs of employees? And I think increasingly the workforce is going to go to one where it's almost a one-to-one kind of employment relationship. We don't have an HR book that just has this blanket policy for everybody right you know where and particularly around schedules and flexibility and in office and work from home and all those kinds of things if we can do one-on-one with that which might be a lot of work and i think leaders are scared of that but what about if they can do that and do that effectively and real bring competitive advantage to it yeah so i think those are two things that are overlooked and if we can do that actually even in today's environment we can retain more of our you know great employees I was thinking about uh, years and years ago when I when the movie Moneyball first came out, I I so just absorbed that into business in terms of how do I get the most out of the people in the positions and take somebody that might be overlooked and put them in the right place. Yeah. Like, I love all that. And I, I re- it recently resurfaced in a way that I've been thinking about just that, that one-to-one, you know, if we think about Moneyball, there, you think about a professional athlete, they all get custom deals, Right. And it's yeah. based, it's based yeah, it's on attracting that they were attracting that talent. Right. So we've got to create a deal that's, that's attractive to them to yeah. make them feel like this is where they want to be. So yeah. I, I just, yeah, I totally am with you there. And I think that there's, um, I was raised like, you know, the expression fairs are for donkeys and blue ribbons, whatever. Like I was never allowed to say that's not fair growing up. Yeah. Like, that, like that wasn't a thing. Yeah. And so I think that mentality is, is gone, grown up with me that I don't have a fear of that one-to-one, but so many people live in like a, it's gotta be fair for everybody. And fair, I think just means equitable. Um, 
So I, I, if as long as it's equitable yeah. to both parties, then it sounds fair to me. Yeah. yeah. Did, did your dad used to say, well, life isn't fair. Is that what he used to say? <laughs> I think uh, I've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It, and it's, it's true. Right. Um, mm. Yeah. So we got it's, it. We, except that it's what we make of it. Right. When it when, is. Yes. That's what I was thinking. You know, the, the people that say life's not fair, you've got to uh, deal with the deck you've been dealt. And my mind goes, life's not fair. I need to go get a new deck of cards. So how am I going to go get a new deck of cards, you know, make a new deck or create a new deck and um, not just get stuck with the ones I have, but actually, you know, be proactive and visionary and do something about whatever that looks like. Hey, podcast listeners, system and soul coach Chris Ames here. I want to share a tip with you today as I work with clients to help them gain clarity and control. Have you ever stumbled upon a principle that resonated so purely with your internal being that you realize it was embedded in your subconscious long before your vocabulary caught up? If you're like me, you probably had this moment a few times in your life. And when you did, you were struck with a sense of awe. And in those moments, both your subconscious and your conscious mind high-fived each other uh, in a euphoric dopamine-filled hug. Uh, Here's a profound example from my life, and I don't even remember where or when I ran into this phrase, but it's been living in my head rent-free ever since. First, we build our habits, and then our habits build us. Now, if you were literally physically sitting with me right now, you'd see me sit back in my seat and take a sip of coffee while I let this truth wash over both of us. As an axiom, it sits in the envious intersection of strategy and tactics. It's broad and strategic enough to apply to a myriad of contexts, but it's specific and tactical enough to challenge the beholder to take action regardless of the context in which it's being used. Think about it. First we build our habits, then our habits build us. Now the sobering reality is this is true for both good and bad habits. I'm sure it's not a stretch to assume that we all at one point developed bad habits responsible for building parts of our lives that we regret. The axiom doesn't care. It doesn't care if it's used for good or bad. Put good in, get good out. Put bad in, buckle up y'all. Much like compound interest, it can either work for you or against you. The choice is yours. One of the things that drew me to the system and soul business framework is how well it fits at the intersection of both strategy and tactics. And it does it by leveraging organizational habit building. Like the notion that building a personal habit is an investment in a successful version of you, building business habits can help build successful businesses. The cadences, routines, and common practices that an organization expresses will ultimately build the company in a direction. Problem is that most small and medium-sized companies are too engaged in the day-to-day operation of the business to step above the fray and become intentional about the direction internal corporate habits are taking them. The organization needs to change course, but it keeps rumbling along like it always has, making small pivots that result in marginal growth at best or instability and stagnation at worst. But it doesn't have to be this way. The key to unlocking healthy, stable growth fueled by organizational change is to have a winning plan and a coach to lead the executive team through it. As leaders, it is possible to go back and rebuild your habits so that your habits can build you. 
The system and soul framework aligns both the system, the processes, and the soul, the people of a business. But that's just part of the winning formula. We also offer a system and soul coach to walk companies through the first two critical years of the journey. First, you build your habits, then your habits build you. You know this now. You probably knew it before, but your conscious and subconscious minds are in sync. So, what are you going to do about it? I'm Chris Ames, and this has been your coaching tip. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Man, we're all over the place, and I love it. What What's number three on your on your list of on your mind today? <laughs> um, I'm not sure I have a third one. <laughs> Man, uh, well, here, any here's ideas for me? Yes, yes. I'm super curious because you you said something about um, the next step in growing myself into the best leader that you can be, and um, I'm, I'm just take us into your process in doing that because you are intentional and I admire that. And so let us learn from you. What does that look like in your world? Well, gosh, the, uh, <laughs> I, I might end up being a bit vulnerable here, Benj. Um, we, I mean, yes, I've, I've always certainly been, been very curious learner. I've always, you know, consumed a lot of books. I think most entrepreneurs probably do looking for for the next thing uh, and and searching for really, you know, how can we be the best leader that we can? And, you know, shout out to the Entrepreneurs Organization where I've been a member for many years. I really learned a lot of, um, I'm not sure if skills is the right word there, but but skills about being, you know, a better human really uh, in, in lots of ways, a better leader, a better partner, a better parent. And uh, things like, uh, you know, we're taught some really cool skills in the forums that we talk about, for example. And, you know, I, I like to think that we always leave a conversation with another EO or, or feel, feeling better and lifted up and, and not worse. And there's a lot less, you know, judgment in that kind of an environment. We, we acknowledge that everybody has stuff and is going through issues and we just want to help people in, in, in those moments. And so things like emotional intelligence have, have um, you know, just come to the fore for me. And uh, things like talking about feelings, right? Um, and all, all things that I probably, when I was younger, did not pay enough attention to. In fact, I think if my ex-wife was in this conversation, we were married for 25 years, and it was a pretty great marriage in a lot of ways. But she would definitely say that one of the things that she... Um, you know, didn't get enough of was a conversation around feelings. I remember I used to travel a lot. And when I called, it would always be, uh, hey, you know, how are the kids and what's going on? And what are you doing tomorrow? And what are we doing this weekend? And who's, whose house are we go? You know, it was sort of agenda type stuff for kind of a driven A-type, you know, on, entrepreneur. And she really just wanted to meet me to slow down and check in and say, hey, how are you feeling? And and uh, when she told me a story about when, when something maybe negative happened or somebody said something that I was too quick to move on instead of saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to, to hear that. Please tell me more about how that made you feel. So this is part of what I'm trying to learn. And of course, medit- I've, I've done yoga now for 20 years, almost every day. Big believer in meditation, too, in terms of resetting and slowing down and taking those kinds of things on board. But so I'm really, I would say, uh, in terms of growing myself at this stage is I want to go deeper into uh, those um, aspects of human interaction and really seeing people um, and listening better and 
making sure that when somebody leaves a conversation with me, hopefully they feel a little bit better than when they started rather than the other way around. So, uh, yeah. And, and <clears throat> I have a partner now who's, you know, wonderful and she's going to, she's really good at, at guiding me in, in that way. Uh, and, but, you know, dipping into books and things like that, podcasts, I'm, I'm sure will, will also help. So I think that's the other third thing, the big thing on my mind in terms of how I'm going to grow personal. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for being a little vulnerable. I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, um, similar moment in my journey where it really yeah. is about, um, there's something correlated about those things, slowing down our own mind and our own drive to be able to see people and to experience our own feelings and emotions and yes. acknowledge them for what they are. Yes. And, and one of our, our core values actually at the culture fix is, is Saubona and um, the descriptive behaviors for that, of course, are, are, of course, I see you, which is, you know, Saubona is this Zulu greeting that literally means I see you. And the response being I, is Yebu Saubona, meaning I see you seeing me. <laughs> and I think that's rather beautiful. And I think, you know, in offices, especially in, in American culture, you know, we kind of rush through the office saying hi to people and how are you? And it's, it's a very casual fine. And we're not, we're not really seeing them, not really listening uh, and, and really caring about maybe how are they really feeling today? And I think if people could get more of that, and it's such an inexpensive, um, you know, right, <laughs> quick thing to do to make somebody really feel like, you, you, you know, we, we care that they are there. And uh, I think this can also help, by the way, people stay stay within a company is if, um, you know, the, the, they're seen yes. and we care about how they feel. Absolutely. Yes. Well, thank you so much. I um, If you want more, Will, we have a previous conversation. We'll link to that in the show notes so you can go back to uh, the first time Will Scott stopped by and um, tell us where we can, what's the best way to, to check you out, what you're doing nowadays? Oh, well, well you know, the, the, there's a number of aspects to the Culture Fix. Of course, we have books and those are available on, on, on Amazon. Um, we uh, we have, do have a podcast of our own. We have, um, uh, an, an, you know, a, a number of pieces to the brand. But the, the one I think I, I'd less like to, seeing as you've given me a couple of minutes to mention, is the Culture Fix Academy and uh, the fact that we are building a community of independent coaches there who can take the Culture Fix to their clients. And uh, we have, you know, a, a, a group of coaches doing this already and we meet every week and we're really having a very joyful time doing this noble work, helping employees love where they work and know why they work. And also helping those coaches build a, a great practice uh, for their own consulting business. So that's yeah. theculturefix.academy. And that's how to get hold of me, Will, at theculturefix.academy. Will, thank you. You are a gift to this planet. Appreciate you hanging out with us today. <laughs> You're too kind, Benj, but I'll, I'll try. <laughs> All right. Till next time, I'm sure you'll be back. System and Soul, we'll see you next week. <laughs>